This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Warning. In many of our episodes, the crimes happened years or even decades ago. But the horrifying events in this episode took place just weeks ago. The case is still unfolding. All parties involved are innocent until proven guilty. And also, another warning, the content is very graphic. The first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. So this has only been the last couple of months that this has happened. I don't I don't get nightmares. I don't I take in true crime, horror movies, things like that all the time. Stuff like this doesn't bother me. This bothered me. I had nightmares, like wake up screaming in the middle of the night nightmares because of this. Hey guys, welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting across from Alexis Linkletter that just took a big, big breath already. Per, per and next to Billy Jensen, who brought us ice cream Ice sandwiches. cream bars. That's the great thing about walking around Hollywood. There are men walking around with ice cream coolers. Was this right outside my this apartment? This was right outside of your apartment. Oh, do we trust those to eat? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And they have a it's bell. A, it's a guy with a cooler and a bell. What, what's gonna, what could be wrong with that? Uh, I so. don't know. I feel like you could definitely poison one of those. He did easily. not have the strawberry shortcake ones though because I thought that you would like that. that Ew, kind of, what yeah. do it look like to you? I don't know. I thought you would like the kind of like fake weird artificial strawberry flavor. No, that's a Jared thing. Okay. I like chocolate, chocolate. always. <laughs> All right, I, well, don't want, if, I don't want any sugar unless it's like chocolate and good quality. All right. Well, we, we have chocolate waiting for us. That excites me deeply. Thank God. Um, what day is it, Billy? There's a lot to pick from today. It's National Pudding Day. Ew. Chocolate pudding day? Yes. Pudding's gross. Pudding's not for me. It's, you know, a frozen pudding is like ice cream. I'm still waiting for pudding trucks. We did cupcake trucks. We had all these pudding other food trucks. trucks. Pudding trucks, exactly. And not even put it not even put it in a cup, just actually just pour it in people's hands. It's like custard. <laughs> oh my god, it's like a um a flying Dutchman from In N Out. You know what that is? No. Do you know what that no. is? So Flying Dutchman at In-N-Out is when you just put your hand out and they just slap the patty no. on your hand. That's not true. <laughs> That's not yes, it is. Look it up. Google it. I'm it's not... on their secret menu. Why would I do that? A Flying Dutchman. Wow. I've the... never heard of that before. Well, okay. I hate you wrinkle it. in your brain today. All right. It's also Tropical Cocktails Day. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes. My Thai baby. 
and left. and I actually got to drink with my daughter at a bar for the first time because she turned 21 a couple months Did ago she? and we went to Tiki Tea which is one of the oldest tiki bars in Los Angeles and it's family owned and we had some cocktails and it was wonderful Oh, um, how long nice. do you think she's been drinking for? Oh, probably 17 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, the dad like you. Stealing yes. stealing the vodka and filling it up with water. Well, that did happen. Yep. <laughs> and I called her out on it and she was like, oh my God. Did she? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, oh, totally, dad. Yeah. Oh my God. So it's like, I do, yeah, it's like, I drink straight vodka. I know what it tastes like when it's watered down. So yeah, I called it out. On that yeah, too. seriously. Yeah. If you didn't do that as a kid, did you really live? <laughs> no, you didn't. All right. Well, that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights. And turn up the anxiety. Because this could be you. On May 5th of 2019. Yes. May 5th. 2019, which if you're listening in real time, this was last month. Police got a call from a resident of an apartment complex in the neighborhood of Denton, Texas. The caller was concerned about some strange behavior her neighbor was exhibiting. The behavior wasn't overtly deviant, but strange enough to elicit a call to the police. When the police arrived, the door to the unit was ajar. When they stepped inside, they made a horrific discovery there was a body. The scene was gruesome beyond comprehension. The most ominous thing at the scene was ironically not what they could observe, rather what was missing, which was the head of the victim. So for the past 10 years, it had always been Sarah and Isaac Warner. Sarah had been raising her son alone for the most part, in the suburbs of Denton, Texas, since the divorce of her husband 10 years prior. They lived in a high-end apartment complex at 2400 Stockbridge Road in Denton. On May 5, 2019, just a little over a month ago, the Denton police received a 911 call. The caller said that her neighbor, 22-year-old Isaac Warner, was outside of the apartment that he shared with his mother. And he was behaving strangely. And they had a shopping cart with him that was full of cleaning supplies. The neighbor was looking at the items in the shopping cart, all the chemicals and such, and her first thought was that maybe Isaac was making a bomb. So officers showed up to the scene. They find the shopping cart with all the cleaning supplies outside the unlocked apartment. Outside, there's no sign of the car, which is the mother's car, which is Volvo. Inside, there's no sign of Isaac. But they move quickly to clear the apartment. So they move through each room and then go into the master bedroom, which is where they found the decapitated body of who they believed to be Isaac's mother, Sarah. And it looked like she had been dead for approximately two days. So Sarah's head was missing. And to this day, it hasn't been found. Or if it has been found, the information hasn't been released to the public yet. The cause of death has not been announced. There may have been head trauma, but we don't know. That information is missing. But let's talk about what the police did find in the apartment. They found a hacksaw and evidence that Isaac tried to wash the hacksaw to clean it up. Looking at the scene, investigators deduced that Isaac severed his mother's head from her body and rinsed the hacksaw in a bathtub and the toilet. 
We already mentioned that Isaac was seen acting super strangely with those cleaning supplies outside of his apartment when the cops were called on the day that the crime scene was discovered. So the investigators immediately sent out an alert to be on the lookout for Sarah's car since it was missing from the scene. And obviously Isaac was also missing. And about 12 hours later and 30 miles away, officers with the Gainesville Police Department spotted the Volvo station wagon and approached the driver. Kevin Phillips, who was the chief of the Gainesville Police, said officers got a call around 940 in the morning on Monday the 6th, which is the next day after the body was discovered, about a man trespassing at the tire service center at the Gainesville, Texas Walmart. The officers pulled up to the scene and as they're observing this person who's acting suspiciously, they recognize that it is in fact this person, Isaac Warner, who they had been alerted to keep an eye out for. So Isaac sees the officers and starts running towards the front of the store. He jumps into his vehicle and tries to run over one of the officers who was chasing him. Fortunately, the officer was able to move quickly enough and jump out of the way, a move that probably resulted in saving his life. Isaac then got on Highway 82 and headed east before completing a U-turn that took him back in the opposite direction. And then we have to note also, he did all of this while driving with a flat tire. At one point, Isaac lost control of his car and he slows down. Officers approach him while he's still in the car. One officer pulls out a taser and deploys it, but it misses him. Isaac then steps on the gas, guns it northbound on a service road before getting back on the highway. And during this pursuit, a piece of the wheel from Isaac's car hit the windshield of the police officers that were in pursuit, causing damage to the vehicle. But luckily, again, nobody was hurt. But he's obviously driving on a a car that is that is going to get out of control at some point. Mm-hmm. But he keeps going, and the chase actually continues over the border into Oklahoma. And he finally loses control of the car. The car crashes into a median at approximately 10.30 a.m. The Love County, Oklahoma deputies arrest him. They take him into custody and execute a search warrant for the car. Isaac was arrested on May 6th in Oklahoma for eluding authorities, and he was taken to the Love County Jail, where he sat for 10 days until Thursday, May 16th. He fought extradition back to Denton the entire time, but was eventually forced to go back and was booked on bonds totaling nearly $300,000. And he's charged with tampering with evidence and abuse of a corpse related to his mother's death. Right. And at the time of his arrest, it was reported that Denton County police were working with the Tarrant County ME's office and the Denton County DA to determine if additional charges would be filed because there's a lot still up in the air here. I'm sure you guys are all asking with the unfolding of these events with a son allegedly doing something horrible to his mother and this very, I mean, there are a lot of questions. So we're left to ask ourselves, how did this happen? Why did this happen? And why in general do such horrific crimes take place? To find out, we'll need to retrace Isaac's movements prior to what happened. And Kelly Smith is our first reconnection. She was friends with Isaac in high school and also in college. She was in student council with him for two years. They planned homecoming dances, proms, and a million other school functions, which is a direct quote from her. 
They went to the lake together a few times and spent a lot of time together outside school, participating in Senior Ditch Day in countless other high school type memories. They ended up graduating, going on, as I said, to the same college, University of North Texas, in their hometown of Denton. And they spent their college orientation week together. However, they did start to lose touch after she started hearing stories of Isaac's strange and erratic behavior. Remember, these events unfolded last month, and she and her friends are still reeling from the news. And we are going to provide as much information as we can. So Kelly is going to take us back and tell us all about the Isaac that she knew, the guy who was seemingly normal only a few years ago. When I first met Isaac, um, I believe we were juniors in high school. I remember him being a very casual person. He didn't dress up, but he, he was also not dirty. He just wore t-shirts and shorts and he tried to make people laugh. Um, he was he was funny. Wasn't necessarily the most popular person in school, but he did win class president and he was nice. He was, you know, making himself the center of attention in any room that he was in. He was cute. He was tall. He was taller than most of the guys that I went to school with. He, we started being friends, I think closer to my senior year. I think I had classes with him junior year. We knew each other. We had some of the same friends, but my senior year of high school, I went into student council and my best friend, Chloe, and he ran against each other for vice president or for president. And Chloe ended up winning vice president and he won president. I remember he and I would run errands together and we would, you know, go out um, and leave school to do things for our our student council teacher. He was, a, he was a friend. He was somebody that I would confide in here and there and, um, you know, vent frustrations about student government and about, you know, just high school in general, waiting to get out, waiting to go somewhere else. I don't remember ever having many issues with him. He was just a nice person. So after high school, Kelly and Isaac also went to the same college. He and I did go to the same school. We went to University of North Texas our freshman year. My mom actually left me with him at our college orientation our first day. I was walking around with my mom on, you know, the first day of orientation and he and another girl that I went to high school with walked up to me and we were talking and hanging out. My mom was like, hey, do you want me to just leave you with your friends? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And we walked around together and he, I went to his dorm and saw his dorm and he went to mine and saw mine. And we hung out, we had a full week of orientation and we hung out that whole week and, you know, started college together, essentially. And it's during Isaac's early college years that he starts exhibiting concerning behavior. He gets a DUI, which apparently was shocking to those who knew him. And Denton County jail records show that Isaac Warner was jailed on charges of driving while intoxicated and possession of marijuana earlier this year. He was arrested by Corinth police for driving while intoxicated in December. Okay, so then there's a very, very... Very bizarre encounter that one of Kelly's best friends has with Isaac at Denton's Walmart. And you can tell at this point that things, it's strange behavior. I remember my one of my other best friends, Marisa, who Chloe, Marisa, and I lived together after we moved out of our dorms. And Marisa also went to high school with us. And 
Marisa ran into him at Walmart and he, you know, walked up to her and was talking to her and he, she was like, okay, like, I gotta go. I'll, you know, nice to see you or whatever. And she said that he followed her. He followed her through Walmart and kept continually asking her, like, let's get dinner. Let's do this. Like, and she was like, very weirded out by it. She was very uncomfortable with the situation. And I remember her texting us, I believe before she even got out of the parking lot, like, oh my God, I just ran into Isaac and he was being super weird. And she just, I could tell that she was insanely uncomfortable with the situation. It's at this point that Kelly starts to distance herself from Isaac because his behavior is concerning. But it's also kind of out of nowhere and unexplained as far as this guy she's known for a number of years. I remember finding out that he had gotten a second DUI. Um, And that was the one where he had a, he was in a car accident. I don't know if he hit a pole or a tree or something like that, but it was a single car wreck. It was just him. And I don't know if he had hit the pole or tree in an attempt to get away from police or if he had hit it and then somebody called the police. I don't know exactly what happened in that situation. Isaac getting one DUI was incredibly shocking. Um, The first one was, I remember being, you know, passed around constantly because people were just so incredibly shocked, especially in a day where Uber is so easy. It's so easy to get a ride home from a bar. And it it was just the only word I can think of is shocking. Then Isaac posts a bizarre Facebook Live video that really rattled anybody that saw it. So I remember somebody telling me, and I I don't remember who, but somebody had told me that he did a like a Facebook Live and he was just sitting in front of a camera eating. And I vaguely remember somebody telling me he was just eating popcorn. And then I remember after that, he had, somebody told me that he had posted on Twitter that he wanted to kill himself and that he didn't think that anybody cared. And again, I didn't see these tweets. This was somebody telling me after the fact, but this was, again, just incredibly shocking that somebody that was so normal and was so seemingly put together at one point in their life had almost completely fallen apart. The Facebook Live video is more than 40 minutes long, and we're just going to play about 30 to 45 seconds of it so you can get an idea of what it was all about. And welcome back. There's no salt been added to yet. Thanks, Johnny. Yeah, it's great. This is John, by the way. How are you doing? Okay, laughing. <laughs> That's me. Oh, well. So the question that all of his friends are thinking about, you know, with this generation and with probably future generations, you become friends with everybody on Facebook, and mm-hmm. then you're watching each other as you live their, live, your, their lives as they move on. And 
you know, there's been this talk of like, you only post things on Facebook that makes you look good. Your you're highlight posting, reel. Your highlight reel. Um, there's been a lot of studies about that, about how that, that, how that can affect you. But what he's doing is he's posting this video and his friends are looking at it going, this guy was the class president. This guy was the guy that put everything together. And he spoke at graduation, and apparently it was like a, it was like a really funny speech. He was he had a great sense of humor. You look at his everything else that he was posting on Facebook. He was really into combating climate change. Uh, he was a big Beto guy. I mean, he was very he was, liberal. Yeah, he was very much into you know trying to save the world. Yeah. And then this this video comes up. What's going on here? Right. So we should probably. I mean, Kelly's talked a little bit about what he was like, but we should delve more into what he was all about. So as we know, Kelly was baffled that the guy she knew to be this overachiever, class president, do no wrong, son of strict parents, just funny, likable guy, even got a single DUI. She expected him to just be this like straight-laced guy, overachiever forever. She was even more floored to hear that there was a second DUI. Not only that, though, it resulted in a single car wreck with Isaac behind the wheel. I remember finding out that he had gotten a second DUI. Um, and that was the one where he had a... He was in a car accident. I don't know if he hit a pole or a tree or something like that but it was a single car wreck it was just him and i don't know if he had hit the pole or tree in an attempt to get away from police or if he had hit it and then somebody called the police i don't know exactly what happened in that situation so we're gonna lay out some facts as to what isaac's state was at the time that all of this was occurring he was 22 years old just graduated from college where he had worked as an RA at the University of North Texas. In college, he had also been a director of leadership and development at the Student Government Association, as well as a campus life ambassador. So this is interesting. So I went on kind of a deep dive looking for information on Isaac because just to let you guys know, this is a very new case. It's hard to find information. It's still precious as far as the investigation is concerned and the only information is kind of like the same article regurgitated over and over yes there's very little but i went on a dive and i went on linkedin and he's a third connection of mine which i thought was interesting that is interesting which means i'm three what is it you're three degrees three three degrees of separation degrees of separation away from linkedin so i have some friends who were friends with his friends on linkedin is what that means so I didn't gleam that much other than what Jack just said in terms of what his kind of on paper accolades were. But I did find a beaming review from a colleague that read throughout his tenure at the University of North Texas, he has been one of the most thoughtful and focused student leaders I've ever seen. After working with him last semester on the university wide homecoming planning team and now seeing his stellar performance as spirit coordinator for UNT's student run programming council. I'm still awed by his conviction and dedication towards our university's mission and all only going into his fourth semester. I can't wait to see what's to come from one of North Texas's top student leaders. And if you look at his LinkedIn profile, 
Isaac Warner, Director of Leadership and Development at Student Government Association. Obviously, he took, he was a big guy with homecoming and student leadership in high school. He brought that over there. I'm actually a third degree away from him as well. You are? Am, it's yeah. probably, are you? But it's probably because of me. Or like, maybe, yeah. we probably have the same connection. Mm-hmm. You, maybe, there's something yeah. to it. But, you know, he was an, a resident assistant. He was the person that you go to if you're having, if you're having problems or, or whatever, you know, where you're living. Uh, campus Life Ambassador. Um, you know, just everything about his profile is leadership. It's all about leadership. Yeah, I think you probably wanted to do politics. Something along those lines. He seemed like a very kind of together guy, and and he's a leader. That's what he. That's what he was. That's what he wanted to do. So, if you're asking yourself how a guy who seemed like on a track to do great things that was a leader in high school that was a leader in college how did this happen and were there any red flags and there actually were after isaac's arrest police documents revealed that a half dozen of isaac's former classmates from the university of north texas said they noticed a clear decline in his mental status over the course of a few years And the police had actually responded to at least 12 calls from people concerned about his behavior since the February before the killing. So it was revealed by the media that on March 13th, less than a month before this incident occurred, Denton police received a report about Isaac from his friend Mia, who had gone to college with him. And she had talked to Isaac on and off since college, and they remained really, really close friends. And when she called the police, she urged them to check on him. The reason she gave was that she had seen troubling Facebook posts where Isaac talked about feeling suicidal. And then when she met with him out of concern at a coffee shop in Dallas a week prior to the incident, she said that she had felt so uncomfortable around her friend that she cut the meeting short and left. She called the police out of concern for him, and the officer told her that it was not the first time that they had received a call about Isaac, but he explained to her that no one ever answers the door when they go there. Despite that, an officer did go over there and check on Isaac at the apartment that he shared with his mother, but again, nobody answered. So they left, and they filed a police report. And even before Mia alerted authorities, the Denton County police were told in mid-February by another University of North Texas friend named Hannah Horick that somebody needed to check on Isaac. He had gone to visit her in Odessa, Texas, and showed up a week earlier than he was scheduled to visit. And she said that when he came out here, he was just so far from himself. He was having a really hard time reading social cues and carrying on a conversation. And he was carrying on a conversation in a way that was unusual. So she called the authorities, but because she didn't know his address, she she was told that they could not make a welfare check on him without the information. She told the media that, quote, there is no part of me that could ever imagine him hurting or much less killing a person. I learned that the cops had been called multiple times from one of the articles. One of the articles stated that the cops had been contacted 12 separate times about Isaac from either his mom or from past friends. Um... I believe that the tweets of him saying that he wanted to kill himself might have started some of that. Um, 
it was really upsetting to me. It was really upsetting to hear that multiple people, including his mother, tried to get him help. Multiple people tried to help him in the only way that they knew how, and it failed. So in what is essentially a crescendo of his behavior, Sarah herself, Isaac's mother, had even called the police about Isaac days before her body was found to report that her son had gotten angry with her and that they had a verbal altercation. And the police arrived quickly, but Isaac was already gone when they arrived. And they told Sarah to call 911 again if he returned and if the situation continued or escalated in any way. Then the very same day Sarah Warner called the police on Isaac, he sent out a tweet that read, for real, does anyone care that I'm actively suicidal? And this is a tweet that many of the friends we've previously mentioned reacted to and also called the authorities to. So this was something that really alarmed people. This in conjunction with the Facebook post, in conjunction with just like obvious behaviors that his friends are noticing when they're trying to spend time with him. Yeah. And to go from a really charismatic, funny guy, epped at public speaking, to this guy, creeping people out at Walmart, doing weird shit online, and actively being suicidal mm-hmm. and posting tweets about it. Everyone was alarmed, understandably, as yeah. they and should have been. to like be able to have conversation. Like, it's... It's bad. It's bad. Yeah. And, and it's scary. And the police are trying to react. And it's a very... And we'll we'll get into this later, of course. But it's like... It's a strange and difficult thing to address. Yeah. So the next day, a former classmate named Abby Gross reported this to the police. And she also told the woman who took her call that she observed cut marks on Isaac's arm. Abby said she and Isaac Warner had met at a local donut shop um, that Wednesday morning, last Wednesday morning to catch up. And she said, quote, he showed me his arm and it was covered in cuts. He told me he tried to kill himself the night before. Abby was told that the police would have a police officer do a welfare check on Isaac Warner and to call back if things get worse. So seemingly, he's putting this stuff out there. He's meeting with friends. He's, he's not barricaded himself. Showing cuts. He's mm-hmm. also putting it out on social media Yeah, that there's bad. And his friends are actually reaching back out to him and also reaching out to the police. So it seems like everybody's trying to do the right thing. Yeah. So this all culminated in a final call to police about Isaac. Denton police responded to a welfare concern at the apartment that Isaac and Sarah shared. Sarah told police that her son had cut his arms with a razor and she took him to the hospital. Isaac told a nurse that he was going to kill himself and his mother, but he fled the hospital before security officers arrived. Sarah told the Denton police that she found her son walking on the road. She picked him up and drove back to their apartment. And at some point, Isaac took his mother's phone away so she couldn't call anybody. The next thing that I remember hearing is that I was at home, you know, it's almost midnight. I'm by myself in my room and Chloe texts me and sends me a screenshot of the article stating that his mother has been murdered. And in the article, it doesn't show that, or it doesn't say that he's the one who killed her. It just says he's been arrested as a suspect in this murder case. And the three of us, me, Chloe, and Marisa, who all went to high school with him, stayed up just just talking. We were like, we were all 
so incredibly shocked. It upset me so much. Finding out that he had decapitated her, and I'm sure it was in an attempt to clean up his mess, but it, I don't, I don't get nightmares. I don't, I take in true crime, horror movies, things like that all the time. I'm constantly reading true crime. I'm constantly listening to true crime podcasts. Stuff like this doesn't bother me. This bothered me. I had nightmares, like wake up screaming in the middle of the night nightmares because of this. And it was just bone chilling to find out that he had not only murdered his mother, but had gone on to abuse her body after she had died. I don't believe that there was any, from what I've read and from what I've heard, I don't believe that there was any um, more abuse after the decapitation. I don't know why that was the only thing that he did. Um, and I don't know if they ever found the head. I, From what I've heard, I don't believe that they ever located his mother's head. When we were first having the conversation about this, when we first found the article, I think our conversation was really just geared towards why. You know, we were going back and forth talking about uh, like the time that we spent with him and things like that. And it just, nothing came to mind as to what could possibly make him do this. I was upset for his mom. I was upset that her life had been taken by her only son. Things like that don't happen here. And it's very shocking when something this upsetting happens down the street from you. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. It's almost summer, and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. 
Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. All right, so you guys have probably noticed at some point we haven't learned that much about Sarah, Isaac's mother. And that is because, A, this is a very new unfolding situation in that a ton is not available. And B, I mean, there's really no other reason besides that other than that she's very elusive on the interwebs. Yep. And it's horrible that she has become a victim of probably what's arguably one of the most horrific situations that exist and it's terrible. But I did go on a internet digging whole mission and Jack is very proud of me for it because I briefed her on some of my findings earlier and she was like, we must discuss. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, I need to give Alexis props sometimes for your researching skills because a lot of these cases that we're doing are little known cases or like this one it's just unfolding and it's really hard to find information you can't just pull up a wikipedia page and yeah read it or pull up an article and read it well it's what happened with last week's episode with jared yeah you know jared great episode by the way jared had no idea about some of these things and he had go you know he's remembering a story of his past his nine-year-old friend um, had been murdered by his mother. That's all he really knew. He didn't know any of the particulars because they weren't Googleable, and he wasn't Nothing. going into the newspaper archives and taking. A but look what at was that. fascinating about Jared's experience, and not to, we're not going to get too deep into this, but the details didn't matter. It was just like the broad strokes that affected him. Right. He didn't know need the details to know that it changed him. Right. And I thought that was very moving. But thank you guys because I am proud of these findings. Because what I learned about Sarah, if you Google Sarah Warner, who is this victim of this horrific incident, you find nothing. Sarah Ann Warner. She's 65 years old. She's Isaac's mother, married to Kenneth Warner, who is her husband, who lives in Louisiana. But what you can find if you do a background check is that she has opened a number of DBAs in her name which I could leverage to find out what she was doing business-wise. So the first thing I found was fascinating. It She owned a business called the Worshipping Warners. Worshipping Warners. So I Googled and then did all these searches on the Worshipping Warners, and the few things I could find was on eBay and other auction sites, a few other business registration sites that indicated that the business itself was a videotape for children that was sign language of worship. So you can buy them on eBay only on VHS for like $5. So obviously religion was important in this family and it's not something Kelly knew. Yeah. So it was not something Isaac talked about. So it goes beyond that in that um, what I thought was really interesting is that Sarah Ann Warner also went by Penny as a name, Penny Warner, and Penelope Warner, full name, on her background check. But was interesting, I went on Kenneth Warner, Isaac's father's Facebook, 
and he has a Penny Warner on his Facebook, which is his sister. So Sarah owns the company, but the business itself is registered in Florida, and Penny, the sister, works there. So they have some agreement where Sarah owns the business, maybe funds the business, Penny works there. I'm not really sure. This is speculative based on just my digging. So you go beyond that, and you learn that Sarah Ann Warner has a business registered to her called Nanny Penny's Babysitting. So Nanny Penny's Babysitters is, I found an article about them, and it's very religion-focused. It says, Nanny Penny's Babysitters is now completing its 12th season in the Destin area with more than 1,900 jobs done in 12 short years. And the Destin area is Florida, for anyone who's curious. So this leads me to believe that she was living between Texas and Florida, uh, where Kenneth Warner's biological sister was living in this business is under her name. So, and I also, if you, if you Google Nanny Penny's babysitting, it's a picture of the whole group, but Sarah Warner's right in the middle. So I know I'm not wrong. And Nanny Penny, better known as Sarah Ann Warner, has now become commissioned as a minister through Glory of Zion International Ministries, making nannies one of the only professing ministry nanny services in the Destin area. Although, this is a direct quote, although small with 15 nannies, we hear from our clients that they think we're the best. They feel comfortable and at ease knowing that their children are being taken care of by ladies who love their children and treat them like their own. Most of our nannies are teachers, daycare workers, church workers, or just mothers or grandmothers who love children. Nanny Pennies will soon expand to Dallas, Texas. And this is where the Texas component enters in. Metroplex area as a result of so many vacationing clients living in the Park City's University area of Dallas. So you guys get the idea. What I did think was interesting, and I'm not going to go over everything, but she did make a point to mention Warner said that her nannies always make chocolate-covered pretzels for the parents right at home or place of babysitting. The nannies also have children that make thank-you cards during arts and crafts time so that children can write something in them to thank their parents for taking them on vacation. So this is a nanny service for people who are visiting this area. And I Googled further in many wedding websites that had like, hey, here are the hotel accommodations. Here's the babysit. Like, here's the na- Like, if you need babysitters... They were mentioned on a ton of things. And there's pictures of Sarah Warner all of the, all over these, so I know I'm not wrong. So what we can deduce from the fact that Sarah Ann Warner had many companies, one of which was the Worshipping Warriors, and the other of which was Nanny Penny's essentially religious babysitting, is that faith was important in this family. But that's something that you have yet to see in the media, and Kelly, who knew Isaac for a number of years, did not know. So I think... Did Kelly even know that she was a nanny? She knew nothing. Wow. Other than that, his mother was very strict. Right. And it's interesting that you see that the nanny... She writes on the um, in this article, the nannies operate their services on an organized four-activity schedule. First, they play balloon volleyball. Then they do arts and crafts. Then they play games. And for their final activity, they watch DVDs. And then Sarah says, we all carry nanny penny bags, which consist of bubbles, balloons, DVDs, and arts and crafts materials. They say we're like a traveling daycare or preschool. So it's very much regimented regimented there. Sure. And I just think it's fascinating that maybe it's like 
I don't know. It did take me like an hour or two to do this, but not that long where it's confusing to me that the reporting didn't have anything about her. And there were hundreds of articles like you guys, you guys did. You guys saw the links. I did the research. It's yeah. like there were hundreds of articles and not a thing about her. Yeah. The, I saw probably one picture from one news outlet. And that's how I knew I was talking about the right person. Because I was really doubting myself because this was crazy. Yeah. Until I Googled these these businesses and saw her picture. I'm like, OK, I'm not wrong. But why hasn't a single news outlet like all they're doing is riding on the coattails of the clickbait of like decapitation yeah. and yeah. i think it's fucked up well it's it's what we see all the time is that if the victim is not you know a, a, a pretty young person but she's you know but but that's yeah. the thing is that they're not yeah. going to focus on the victim they're going to focus on the perpetrator and that's the the awful thing well, about what's media the most salacious yeah. thing that you could yeah it's, yeah it's all clickbaity it's disgusting i believe that he's currently in a mental facility in denton where we live the last thing that I heard was that he was deemed unfit to stand trial and that he was being relocated to a mental health facility. I don't know how he's doing there. I don't know if they've gotten him to a stable mental place. Um, I wish I did. I wish I knew, you know, how everything was going, but I don't. I was also told that when he was in the police department in Oklahoma where he was arrested, um, that they had, they wanted, the Oklahoma police department wanted to expedite getting him back to Texas because he had chewed through his own arm. And I don't know how accurate this information is, but somebody told me that his mother was schizophrenic. And I know that your early 20s is when it manifests most of the time. Is This is like the age where you really start to, to feel it. I truly think that the schizophrenia, the possible schizophrenia, I, I don't know for sure, combined with the head injury that he had from his second DUI, exacerbated something inside of him that caused him to do this. I don't think that this is something that he would have done if he was treated for his mental illness and hadn't had a head injury from a car accident. I think that he would have he would have gone on to live as normal of a life as you can with a mental illness. Um, I, I don't think that this was him. The high school president college leader turned decapitator of mm -hmm. his mother allegedly is the story that they're all going to lead with um I, I just think it's it's bad storytelling because you don't you you know on top of the fact that you know being a victim's advocate and somebody that's always saying we need to put the victims forward if you're looking at it from a storytelling perspective you need to tell about what this person took away you know that's the whole point mm -hmm. of of you know, so don't just make these people as just victims and that's it. She's just a mother and that's it. So a lot of these reporters just didn't do their due diligence. Right. And what I think we can glean from the re like the findings that I made is like she made DVDs for she was she loved God. I feel confident in that she loved children. I mean, whether it was babysitting business or creating DVDs for worship. I mean, those are probably two things she really loved is children and God. And she monetized off of it 
After Isaac was in custody, police officials said that there was nothing they could have done to help Warner since he refused treatment and he did not indicate that he would hurt anybody. Many of his friends spoke to the press about him and they all felt like something more could have been done to prevent what had occurred with his mom. Multiple friends, hospital personnel, and even Sarah had been trying to get Isaac help and the police said they legally couldn't do anything for him, which is the biggest, like question mark in this that's, case that's the biggest question mark because it seems like everybody like i said before it seems like everybody did everything that seemingly that they could have done legally why police. couldn't the police do anything what could they have done if anything so police essentially told sarah and everyone else that th- their hands are tied and there was nothing that could be done because he never told the officers that he would hurt anybody and they kind of just would say if it happens again call us they did offer him mental health resources and um, um, they said that he declined any help that was offered on multiple occasions. And the police would respond to help, but they wouldn't be able to locate Isaac. So um, once they were called, they were looking, you know, we don't know where he is. We can't do anything. And the media, in the media, the police did confirm that they were aware for months that something just wasn't right with Isaac. And, um, you know, they were just caught between a rock and a hard place they didn't know exactly there wasn't really much that they could do i mean people are gonna are gonna write in and ask could they have baker acted him could they have have done done something to to bring him into um a mental institution against his will um you know the police chief said in this case it culminated into the most devastating circumstances and we you know, we're at a point right now where, you know, he, he was saying stuff that uh, he was saying troubling things on social media, but then once once he might have been confronted, he would say, no, it's it's okay. And you get into a thing where we're, we are not a, um, a state where um, people, you know, based on what they say, you can throw somebody in jail like that. You yep. just can't do it. And it also protects... It's a very slippery thing, and we, we should probably get into it now. I don't know. I mean, these they're civil rights that are being protected with these these laws that are in place that you can't based on X, Y, Z, throw someone in jail, because if the person in power is corrupt, it protects someone who's innocent from being thrown in jail and silenced of course. or yeah. thrown in or men- thrown a mental institution. Exactly. Sense, yeah. So people who are like, why wasn't something done? It's like, because liberties are being protected. Well, then also people could make up that somebody said so-and-so like somebody said they don't want to kill slope. themselves and then they're thrown in, in or a, somebody said that they were going to kill me and if they never said it, but then they're, they're in a straight right. jacket yeah. suddenly silenced with they're on like an 80 hour hold and then their life is ruined right? because they missed work and they have, ki- you know, it's, these liberties are very precious. It's funny. Kelly and I were talking about this and we were thinking that if the police wanted to do it, if the police were like, we find reason and you had three people in the person's life who agreed then, or, you know, in, that met some criteria, whether it's like three family members agree. We, we were thinking like, yeah, how but would then you they could, you could go and bully up on somebody yeah. you don't like in your family. I agree there should be some kind of criteria, but it's hard because you're trusting somebody's word over somebody else's word. But the idea that three people would also agree with the police, three members of a family would also agree with the police. Is a, This is obviously us brainstorming and we're not, 
we're not you know how i feel about your brainstorming i go fucking out there guys i i go out there but there must be some like if if you're married for example if the spouse if a family member that's not your spouse and like someone at your work i don't know a friend someone not blood related but then people can conspire yeah you can conspire then you can, you can't even put a number on that even if you put a number at 50 then anybody could conspire to to be able to, to bring take somebody down. you guys literally i was spitballing i'm just saying there's got to be something and i'm yeah. devil's advocate and i would you. love for either of you to come up with something a better fucking and i get again well, i always tell something. jack jack always makes fun of my ideas but i'm like the first idea is meant to be sculpted and honed and like <laughs> in the first idea is supposed to be wild because creativity is good and then it's supposed to be like dialed down yes and she's just like that's the worst idea well, i've ever heard yeah, this was originally going to be a clown podcast <laughs> and then it turned into this so honestly yeah. first agree was my idea <laughs> no it wasn't it was both of our ideas right after months of home actually billy thinks it was his idea no I, but are what, you insane you weren't even there we invited what, you I after will, I literally this is remember what happened sitting where billy was sitting when we came up with it and you were standing right there but this is took what months. happened this it is took months. this is what happened you, you weren't you, there though no. we asked you after Let's hear no 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 this, no 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 this is what happened you said you want to do a podcast you want to do it with me and i said yeah but it needs it needs something. What what is the what is the podcast? What is it? You guys went back and huddled, and then you came up with the idea, and then you came back with me, and I said, like yeah, a month good. later. From it took what so I long. remember, yeah. Alexis and I wanted to start a podcast with Dave Navarro. <laughs> yeah, so you I'm, were the, the I'm, second choice. I'm the poor man's Dave Navarro. Dave Navarro, if you're listening, we're still here. We still want to do your case. <laughs> also, hi. <laughs> <laughs> This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. So Isaac's dad, Kenneth, has come up a couple times so far. And what I will say is that Everything I'm about to tell you is depressing. So brace yourselves for that. But as we mentioned in the intro, they were divorced for 10 years, Kenneth and Sarah. And he, at the time, and presumably now, lives in Louisiana. And as everyone could imagine, he was horrified to learn the news of what had happened to his ex-wife at the hands, allegedly, of his son. And on the heels of this horrible news, he had been alerting relatives and friends across the country what had happened. And these alerts were happening primarily in Florida, as my detective skills 
brought me to Florida and that's where most of them are. And she was working there a lot in Louisiana as well as Texas. So he told the media in an interview that his son had suffered a mental breakdown months prior to the incident and that Sarah had allowed him to stay with her after his most recent rehabilitation stay. And it's worth mentioning that in college, he was an RA. He was living in a dorm. So he had been living separately from his mother. He graduated, was having these issues. And after his most recent rehabilitation stay for his breakdown, his mother allowed him to live with her. He was also being prescribed at this time psychotic drugs to try to help, but his father observed that it didn't seem to work. Kenneth also noted in this particular interview that he had seen his son about a week prior to the incident, but he didn't elaborate on the circumstances of that meeting. So another rabbit hole I got down is that his father posted immediately after the incident. The Facebook post from Isaac's father said, I must regretfully inform you that Isaac has committed a heinous crime. Please pray for him that he may regain his mental faculties. So I do want to talk about this for a second. His father posted this and the post was disturbing because you see a man in pain. But what was more disturbing were the comments. And it was literally memes of like memes memes and gifts of like chainsaws. Oh, my God. And articles about like it was the most devastating thing. You guys could literally look up the Facebook right now. Every post about this. Every post Isaac has ever made is like met with memes about chainsaws and like. And then what's even more disturbing is that Isaac's father posted something religious like forgive him. He know not what they do in response to this horrible trolling. And the person was like, I'm so sorry, sir. Um, You don't have to rip my head off. The most horrible. And it's what is wrong with people? I was horrified. Because this is not only new. Okay, this guy's dealing with the fact that he's... And I don't know if we mentioned this, but Kenneth and Sarah, based on Kenneth's Facebook, seem to be on good terms. Yeah. They were divorced for 10 years, but they seem to be cool. Um, And the idea that people would post on somebody's personal Facebook under a, a post about just like expressing such pain and sadness really upset me. And yeah. it's, I don't know what, and, and even when he expressed additional sadness at the comments for people to respond with more, like literally just puns and like really distasteful remarks. Yeah. And, and that was actually under a so little compassion. What happens is, is that, and I see this a lot. So people go to somebody's Facebook page when this happens and they post, there's no way to post just simply on their wall. You have to comment. They comment on the last post. And also, so because people are commenting on one of his posts, which is about Beto releasing $5 trillion plan to commit uh, to uh, combat climate crisis, which, by the way, and I know we talk about serial killers and crimes, everything. Climate crisis is the absolute most terrifying and biggest thing that's going on right now on the planet. And it's going to freaking kill us all if we don't do anything about it. Right. Um, you know, somebody writes demonic possession. Get the fuck out of here he was a spoiled little crazy liberal fuck i hope he rots in hell you know and people are are, yeah and and, you know you've got people posting um uh, 
you know, all of this sort of like hateful stuff. Um, and you know, a crazy fuck ass like you would support Beto O'Rourke fucking killer rotten hell is another one. You've got a lot of people that are just, you know, why are 917 of you still friends with this person? You should have unfriended this person. You know, there's a, just a lot of um, of things going on. There's one person that actually said that it on every one of his other posts, you see comments like um, uh, he had posted on April 30th, President Trump has made more than 10,000 false and misleading claims. Then the comment on there was, but he never killed and decapitated his mother, you sick liberal loon. And you started going. Uh, you started, yeah, into this, you huh? started going. Uh, yeah, this is not the thing to do. Isaac talking about his family was always just him talking about his mom. I don't know exactly what his relationship with his dad was like. You know, no matter what his dad did or didn't do for him, you would still never think that your son would go on to do this. And him posting and asking for prayers and not just for Isaac's mom, but for Isaac. I think that that shows a level of compassion and he wasn't met back with that. I think when people post things on the internet, they, they don't realize what they're doing. And I, I think that people, when they, when they see the article and they see the shock value of what he did, the com- all compassion in their brain turns off every ounce of caring that they have just goes away and they see monster. I would read the article, take in the information and then move on because reading through the comments and reading through those things was really upsetting me. He's awaiting transfer to a mental health facility as we know today. Right. And essentially, as mentioned earlier, is that the ME, the DA... And the police department were talking to each other about the evidence to decide whether or not to file additional charges. So obviously we were dealing with all the charges relating to the high-speed chase, tampering with evidence, abuse of a corpse Mm -hmm. that he's been indicted on. Murder and everything else is still up in the air. Yeah. Because they're like, who knows? And that's why, you know, not a ton is available about what happened at the crime scene. Not a ton is available probably about Sarah, about, you know, we know about Isaac from our first degree. We don't know about Isaac necessarily from the media other than just like the broad strokes of what he was doing in college. Um, When a case like this is unfolding, it is important to preserve the integrity of the evidence of the investigation. So we were lucky enough to find what we had. We don't think anything we aired really matters other than to just trying to delve into what could have happened and try to, you know, speculate as to how and why somebody like Isaac, who seemed to be on a trajectory towards greatness, ended up here. It still makes me incredibly sad to think somebody who I spent every day with, at least a little time every day, my senior year of high school with, who stood and spoke at my graduation, somebody who spent my college orientation with, and I'm a very, very sentimental person. I I keep pictures and things and, you know, stuff like that from memories. And 
even though I fall out with a friend, even if it's a bad falling out, I would still, if they came to me and asked me to help them or asked to reconcile or whatever, I I always say yes. And it, it it's, a, it's to a fault sometimes. And so the fact that somebody who was my friend, who I considered a friend, did this is just heartbreaking to me because it is it, it did happen in my hometown it happened to somebody I was friends with who I never would have thought would have done this all right guys so turn up your lights and you can turn down your anxiety and what did we learn today so I think what we learned today, and I'll start, and I'm sure we have our opinions on this because this is unusual and that normally we know a lot more about an investigation. Yeah. But I think even if you don't know that much in this situation, you know for sure that Isaac was smart, accomplished, and very much loved despite his erratic behavior because his behavior changed drastically and people who loved him in his life observed that and really tried to do something about it yeah and i uh i don't know what you know the police said it's like we couldn't have done anything differently but is that true and maybe it is well you know i keep thinking about i'm i keep getting flashbacks to the johnny lewis episode right yeah that we did because here was a guy that was on top of the world. He was on a, um, he had just finished up a major TV show. He was an actor. He was smart. He was writing a book. Um, he had everything going for him. He used to date Katy Perry. Uh, you know, he was like highlight. a highlight. highlight. Yeah. And he was just, you know, like a, um, a, a good looking kid in Hollywood that was working, which you don't get often. And, you know, he, had everything going for him and then he started to spiral yeah. and the police did get involved because he was breaking the law he was attacking people he was punching people at a yogurt shop and and doing all these things and he was being thrown in jail and even even all of that he gets out of jail and, and still... then does something horrific and then murders his his landlady and then kills himself so you know as much as you're thinking oh well you know something could have been done something could have been done a lot of times there's just there's just nothing that could be done. And we still don't know what happened with him. Was it a head injury or was mm -hmm. it late onset schizophrenia? And I think also there are a lot, there are other cases where a lot more could have been done. Mm -hmm. I think from what we have seen, people tried, people tried, the authorities tried within their like legal bounds of what they could do. And still something horrific happened. So it's like, even if you do all the thing, all the right things, Sometimes it doesn't matter. Right. And it, I think for people, though, it's like, okay, literally, he was posting suicidal texts, uh, suicidal tweets and Facebook posts. He was cutting himself. And then I think, I mean, and this happened only four days before the call from the nurse to the police when he had threatened to kill his mother happened four days before. And the police are just always like, you know. When we go there, no one's there. No one answers the door. But if there's 12 calls, you would think that it would at least, I mean, there would be some sort of system to track the calls. This, And not 12 calls from the same person. Mm -hmm. An emergent situation. So how do you assess the severity of the situation unless there's some algorithm and it's computerized? I don't know. Yeah. But the idea that they could 
compounded, this is a big deal. But one call at a time, it's not. Yeah, it's maybe like, they didn't realize it. No, of course, because there's no way to track that. And I mean, like I said, like unless there's a technology that could track, hey, updates to police reports yeah. where you're marking and, how how many times somebody's calling. I don't know how they would because just based on staffing and human error. And, yeah. and, and one of the things that is so heartbreaking about this is that, listen, three times as many people kill themselves as are murdered. You know, the suicide suicide is about 45,000 per year compared to 15,000 murders. And would this have been taken more seriously if he was making threats against other people as opposed to making threats against himself? And how do we deal as a society? How are we dealing with people that are making uh, self-harm threats? That's my big takeaway here is that if this guy had said, um, I'm going to shoot up a school or I'm going to do this or that. I think, you know, some, something more could have been done as opposed to I'm going to hurt myself. I mean, the final call yeah, four days before was, was I'm going to kill my mother. Yeah. But she, I think, was very involved in his care and probably maybe I mean, she was at the hospital and then went and picked him up. Maybe she was like, no, he's not Well, because he, it's, it's I don't want him committed. It's you her, know, it's her little mm-hmm. boy. I mean, yeah. it's, it's the last well, it's like thing she's probably trying to not make excuses. Yeah, for and him, she but also protect him. she wants to protect him. She doesn't want him in. And in, in, um, it's just so, you know, mental illness, it's so hard to deal with. And we don't even know if that's the case or not. But it's certainly. Yeah, all, all it certainly seems towards, like towards it. it. I don't remember him expressing that he had mental health issues. I don't ever remember him saying, I'm dealing with this side of mental illness. Don't ever remember him expressing negative feelings. I I think that he had, now looking back, it seems that he had bottled everything up. Somewhere along the line, he was failed. And it's incredibly upsetting to know that not only his mother but friends from college learned that he was going through these things and tried to help him and he didn't get the help that he needed. He's committed an unspeakable, just uncomprehensible crime and taken a life, and not only taken a life, but taken a life of his mother, who was his sole provider and caregiver and the person who gave him his life. I saw a lot of comments saying death penalty and, you know, in just life sentence, put him, you know, fry him. Or, you know, a lot of people were being really, really hard in the comments on articles on Facebook and other places like that. And that's heartbreaking to me. Um, I think that in this, like, climate where mental illness is heavily talked about, I think that this situation does need to be brought to light in the sense that it, it wasn't him. And I, I am, I, I don't want to say championing for him because that's not the right word, because I do want his mom to get, you know, her, her peace, her, but I don't think that she would want her son to rot in prison where he doesn't get the help that he needs because clearly she did want him to get help she tried to get him help sarah obviously love children love god love her son there's little available but what we can gleam is that 
And Kelly even said they seemed to have a good relationship. This seemed strange. Yeah. And I think one of the most important things is like if take every precaution if a loved one is exhibiting just bizarre out of character behavior and what every precaution means that's at your discretion. You know, it's like, I don't know. Every case is different. Yeah. Every disorder is different. Difficult time or mental illness is different. If you sense someone's being erratic, anything's possible. So take all precautions, yeah. do everything you can. And even if you want to call up, you know, the suicide prevention hotline, because that's where most of this stuff goes to, um, you don't know what to do, call the suicide prevention hotline. It's, um, I'll give you the number. It's 1-800-273-8255. And they're open 24 hours a day and they've got, they're staffed up there. It doesn't have to be you. You, They will give you advice on what, on, on how to help somebody else. Right. Right. I think one of the things that really made me send this to you was one of my friends made a comment on Facebook in between all of the comments of electric chair, death penalty, you know, given the same fate as his mom, things like that that are just really disturbing. A friend made a comment and was like, this is somebody who I remember being very kind, very funny, very outgoing, very open. He was just like parading for people to meet this with kindness and meet this situation with compassion instead of hatred. And the first degree was the first thing that I thought of. I was like, I can really speak for him and try to speak for his mental illness and hopefully um, show that, you know, he didn't start out this way. He wasn't always a terrible person. I just, I don't want him to always be known as a monster. I mean, Kelly was so, we FaceTimed with her right before we started recording and she, Kelly Smith expressed this incredible gratitude for sharing this story because they're all reeling. This happened a month ago and they're like, they're portraying him as a monster when really he was like crying out for help and the system is broken. And that's all she wanted to convey. Everybody has compassion for Sarah. Everyone is devastated by what Isaac did. Um, Or allegedly did. Allegedly did under whatever circumstances that are unknown. But like everyone's sad, Sarah, something horrible happened to her, of course. Uh, But she is also grateful that like, he wasn't, I mean, she's seeing his Facebook and stuff, and it must be just devastating like, with what we addressed with the memes and the, and the trolls. trolls. And that's yeah, all it's it is. Disgusting. It's just trolling. It's really sad. But, Kelly, we thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I think she found out about us because she's a big Maine fan and Jared Monaco fan. She and has Maine tattoos. She does. It's so cute. It's so cute. I love when our worlds collide. It's amazing. Um, Thank you, Kelly. Yeah, and if you guys are connected to a murder or other stranger than fiction story, please write us. Hello at the first degree podcast.com. We got two emails as we were recording tonight. We by did? The way. Yeah. Um, or hit us up on Instagram at the first degree, at Alexis Linkletter, at Billy Jensen, or at Jack Vanek. Slide into our DMs. No story is too small or too insignificant for us to research. Alexis the Creep will dig into, do a personal background check and find all the things and she can do a background check so don't reach out that, if you're I've got that sco- i've got that software i've looked up many no, Jackson was like look up this person i'm like no problem i generated a report i sent it to her listen i did it at liar her, psychopath so i need to know i 
send it to her and Mae Vanek in a group chat, <laughs> yeah. and we all examine the documents together. And we sign off. Yes. Did you guys do one on me before you asked me to do the podcast? No. Um, no, but I might have done one just for fun. Mm. Mm, funsies. Mm, interesting. Oh, I have, I have an announcement. What? I just found out that my... My book? book, which you guys haven't read yet, by the way. I'm waiting for the hard copy. Yes. I don't do digital books the or hard, audio. The hard copy is going to have an exclusive first edition with a really cool map as the end paper. So, oh, I saw that post. Yeah, so that you, is cool. So you have to go go on Amazon or uh, or your local bookstore, but really just probably just go on Amazon. And I will be announcing a uh, book tour, and it's going to start on Ooh. August 13th. Does it evolve us in some way? No. We can't be like the the, hype, the hype people. Oh my god! Like <laughs> Doctor Henry Lee at CrimeCon. That Doctor Henry Lee, who we is could my, totally my do hype that. man at CrimeCon, yeah. who, I did, who I didn't realize had so many jokes. Um, um, I have an announcement. Oh, we're just gonna all we can go around and can't wait for mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine's not an announcement, but we have been trying to figure out what we want to name our listeners, and we need some suggestions. And right. I made a post on Facebook asking for suggestions. We've gotten a few. One of them was the owls. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> that's no, a, that's like a deep cut. But nobody, it's a it's a deep cut. That should be like our They're VIP. Super no, that's like, like yeah. OG. And those listeners. are the OG people. Those, those are those are the super fans. Yeah, um, we got the temps, like degrees in temperature. The temptations that's... is not bad. The temptations, the firsties. <laughs> Firsties are the worsties. And the degrees. We need some... Uh, this, again, this is beginning of a brainstorm sesh, but we need a name for our listeners so we can, like... You can, like, pick We can address out. them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking in the original brainstorm, and Jack always makes sort of my first idea, even though it's brilliant, is, like, something about, like, not, like, 98 degrees, but, like, something where it's, like, we're talking about the temperature of how fucking hot our fans are. Listeners. Oh. Sorry. We don't have fans. Definitely no, not me. We, we don't. We don't have. I fans. only have we anti-fans, have yes. except for the people in our Facebook group who always come to bat for me, which I really appreciate. They do. They're the owls. The OG owls are where it's at. The OG owls. Okay, I think we're done. I think we're done. We've had enough, and you've all had enough. Happy tropical drinks day. Happy drinks day. <laughs> <laughs> This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.